The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 19th chapter. When Jesus drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. But now they are hidden from your eyes, for the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you. And they will not leave one stone upon another in you, because you did not know the time of your visitation. And he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold, saying to them, It is written, My house shall be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. And he was teaching daily in the temple. The chief priests and the scribes and the principal men of the people were seeking to destroy him, but they did not find anything they could do, for all the people were hanging on his words. Jesus said, would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. Today is Trinity 10, the 10th Sunday after Trinity, and the gospel lesson for today is of no coincidence. You see, this Sunday, even though Easter changes year to year, you always know about when the Sundays of the church year are going to fall. And this Sunday has this reading because it falls around August 10th. On August 10th, a monumental thing happened in the history of the ancient world, a monumental thing in the history of Israel. On the 10th of August in 70 AD, the temple in Jerusalem, and Jerusalem itself, was sacked and destroyed by the Romans. They came in and destroyed the city and left it in complete rubble and ruins, and the temple has not stood till this day. There are a couple of noteworthy things about that historic significance. And the first of all is obviously our Lord's prophecy in the gospel. Read it again. What he said would happen, happened. It was fulfilled. He was proven true yet once more. The second, of course, is the clear sign that for the people then, after Christ, just the same as us today, we have no need for the temple in Jerusalem to be built because the temple of Jesus has come and the blood of his sacrifice has taken the place of that temple and true worship happens in Jesus. But we're not going to talk about that today. Today we are going to focus on the question, question that I quoted here at the beginning of the sermon about peace. What are the things, what truly are the things that make for peace and security. I want you to put yourself for a second in your mind in the place of the Jews of that day in the Lord's day, the day that he was speaking to them in Jerusalem. They knew the history of Israel. They knew what we call the Old Testament and they knew of all of the glory of God's people, the power and might of the united monarchy during the reign of Saul, Saul David, and Solomon. They knew, of course, even after that, Judah had many good years and blessed years on its own. And now, of course, they knew the opposite of that. They knew occupation and suppression by the Romans that were lived there in that time, controlling them and their political future. And so for all this, it's a pretty safe bet that the Jews that Jesus was speaking to wanted to turn back the clock. They didn't like what was going on today. It stunk. And they wanted to go back to the past when things were good. 
If they could only do that, if they could only figure out a way to get out of the mess that they found themselves in and go back to the good that they used to live in, well then, they would really be living then. They would have peace. The things that make for peace. But of course, that wasn't the solution for their predicament under their occupation and under the hard conditions that they lived. In the first place, well, it's simply impossible to turn back the clock. Back to the Future is a great movie. It's a great trilogy. We own it on DVD. But it's impossible. You can't go back in time. As great as the good old days were, they are gone. You can't get to them. Second, if they were able to, hypothetically, to go back in time, back to the days when things were great, when the Romans weren't there, when things were the way that they should be, well, they would just have to replay the fall and the occupation and the disappointment all over again. Why go back when you know how it continues to play out after that? The third, though, is that it misses the point altogether. The desire to go back and to have that glory of yesterday come back once again. The Lord has a lament for the people of Jerusalem, and he says it clearly. The enemies are going to come to you. Woe to you, Jerusalem. Your enemies will come to you, hem you in on every side, barricade you, tear you down, and your children inside of you. And not one stone, he says, will be left upon another. That will happen, he says. But then he says something else, too. He says why it's going to happen. He says why that awful future for Jerusalem that was realized only about 30 or 40 years after he spoke those words would happen. And he says it is because they made the mistake they didn't know the Lord. They didn't know the time of the Lord's visitation. You see, Jerusalem's mistake, the mistake that led to the Romans finally destroying it, it wasn't a strategic one in a military sense. It wasn't circumstantial, humanly speaking. Rather, their mistake was not knowing Jesus Christ when he was right in front of them, was not knowing the Jesus who was prophesied to come and sit on David's throne in that city. Instead, what did they do? They cast him out. They killed him. They turned away from him. Their mistake was not knowing the Lord. The God of the temple the God who made the temple, the God whose point that temple was to worship was right in front of them, speaking to them. They could see him with their eyes, and they did not acknowledge him as such. They did not worship him. They did not honor him as was due to him. In the place of him, at best, they had the temple worship, which was commanded in the Old Testament. At worst, they had the money changers that were making a dime off of people's piety. But, regardless, they rejected the true temple, the true person and focal point of worship in Jesus Christ. And building and maintaining everything, or anything rather, apart from him is hopeless. It can't be done. The psalmist says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build labor in vain. And unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen who watch, watch in vain. People often think that if only we just do this, if 
we have this lined up and make this happen, then a positive thing will result. Our aims and goals will be met and fulfilled. We will build Babel, as it were. All of it is rubbish, though, apart from Christ and his blessing. Or at the very least, all of it is not set on a solid foundation. What makes for peace? What makes for security, the true thing that people need and want? It is nothing more than to know Jesus Christ. It is nothing more than, theologically speaking, to live a life of repentance, turning from sin and faith that through the blood of Christ, those sins are forgiven. It is true then for them, when our Lord interacted with them in the gospel, and yes, it is true just as much today for us in 21st century, COVID-19, post-COVID-19, pre-COVID-19, whatever we are at right now, America. We don't have a temple, but we have a way of life. In a country that we love, much of the security and peace and goodness that many of us knew in our younger years has been lost. It is gone. And so some might think the solution is, well, if only we could turn back the clock. Go back to the good ways that they used to be. Or we scheme. How can we steal it back politically, strategically? How can we make it change this November, next November, next cycle, and so forth? Some say, well, let's just cut the losses, go over here and regroup by ourselves and build our own little Jerusalem, as it were. No. These are not solutions. The solution only for lasting peace for Christians is first and foremost to turn to Jesus Christ, to know the Savior, to repent and believe. It's not just step one and then we do the rest of those things, but that, to be a Christian, is the bookend for everything in this world to know peace. Cultural action, political action, and things of that sort, social, all of it's fine, but only in the context of Christ and being Christians and building his kingdom, which lasts. It's not a guarantee that anything that we do in those realms will succeed or be even lasting. Then it would just be a means to an end if we thought of it in that way. It'd be using God for earthly mammon. Maybe God will restore some degree of what many of us here miss about the past. Maybe not. Really though, if we're focused right, if we're doing it right, we actually won't care so long as we have Jesus Christ and his promise of life and salvation. Because we will have the one thing that is needful. And with him, the ability to accept the crosses that are placed upon us as individuals or as a nation, collectively for punishment of turning away from him. But finally, hopefully, the blessing to acknowledge the, the Jerusalem and the security and the lasting peace that we yearn for is not earthly, but it is heavenly and it has no end. To the same Jesus Christ who promises this peace and security and want it for us, be all glory, honor, and praise now and forever. Amen.